Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to our Penn State Visitors Edition. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Joining us in just a moment will be the radio voice of Penn State football, Steve Jones. Let's get things rolling first with my view from Section 17. We knew even before the season started that this trip to Happy Valley would be a barometer game for Michigan. I fully expected Penn State would be unbeaten after six games, and I thought there was a pretty good chance we would be too. Penn State has been very good from the get-go. They did have to beat Iowa on the last play of the game on the road a few weeks ago, but really other than that, they have rolled through the early season. For Penn State, this is the first of three very difficult games. They have us this week, and then go on the road for the next two. To Columbus next week, then the week after they visit Spartan Stadium. If they come through this three-game stretch at 9-0, they will have proven they are a very, very good football team and the best in the East. Which is saying a lot, because I think this is the toughest division in college football. I don't think there is any argument about that either. This is also a coming home of sorts for John O'Corn. He grew up in Huntington, just 30 miles from Penn State. His mom still works in State College. So a lot of John's friends and family will be in the stands this Saturday. John said earlier this week he has to pick it up and play better, and he has to. We can't put everything on John's shoulders, but as Jim said the other day, Picking on the quarterback is going after the low-lying fruit. It's just too easy. That said, I think John just needs to stay calm, take what the defense gives him in the passing game, and don't turn it over. If we can get a clean game from him, or close to that, and maybe a 14 of 20 passing night, we could be in this game. He doesn't have to win the game for us. Just be an effective game manager, and I know that's a term Jim Harbaugh does not like. As I said on our game day show on Tuesday, Do I think we can win? Yes. It will take our best game of the season so far. So here's how I see it. We need to stay committed to the running game. Or as Tim Dravno says, keep pumping. This defense is very good. The Penn State defense is what I mean. But we need to go right after it and pound the ball. From O'Korn, I'd like to see him run through his progressions and take the underneath stuff if it's there, and it will be. If he can just give us something in the passing game and not turn it over, I'm going to be a happy camper. I know the defense will keep us in the game. 
And thank goodness we have Quinn Nordine. I just have a feeling he could be the key if the game is close going into the fourth quarter. Getting back to what I said at the top of the show, in August I thought this was the barometer game for both Penn State and Michigan. In many ways I think it still is. Is Penn State for real? And can this young Michigan team put together a total team effort for the first time this season? I really don't know. This is the kind of game, though, that both teams want to play in, and the environment will be absolutely electric. A game like this is, after all, why we love college football, and it usually brings out the best in both teams. We'll find out at 7.30 p.m. on Saturday. Steve Jones says this Saturday night's game means so much to the Penn State fan base. Not many of the experts thought they would be able to recover from sanctions and loss of scholarships this quickly and be playing at such an elite level. The radio play-by-play voice of Penn State football joins me next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brew. Back with us on our visitor segment this year is Penn State radio play-by-play voice Steve Jones. Steve, great to have you back. Well, it's always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Well, Steve, the good times are back in Happy Valley, number two in the country this week, 12.5-point favorites uh, over Michigan uh, for this Saturday night's big game. I'm sure Penn State fans are saying, yes, indeed, we are back. Uh, the Nittany Lions looking good, Steve. Well, I think they felt that last year is the way they closed out the season last year by winning the Big Ten Championship. I think there's got to be a realization that things have changed across the board in college football and, and that you have to start, in my opinion, start thinking of these things in terms of not being, ooh, you're ranked second in the country. I think that's irrelevant. Uh, I think that uh, you have to look at it as the way college basketball is. There's a tournament in college basketball. Well, now it may be four teams, but there's a tournament in college football. Make sure you're in one of the four spots. Uh, above all, I don't think it really matters what number you have to be in one of the four spots. Uh, I think there's a survive and advance mentality that needs to be uh, thought of in college football in terms of how college football is covered these days. Uh, and Penn State so far has been able to survive and advance all six weeks uh, of the season with a big one coming up with Michigan. So, you know, what point spread happens to be, what ranking happens to be, I think if you su- survive in advance, you put yourself in a position where you are now controlling your own destiny. You don't have to rely on anybody else to get where you want to go. It's really up to you as to where you're going to go, and you don't need help from anybody else. Well, I've watched enough tape on this Penn State team to say, first, from an offensive perspective, how do you stop them? And from a defensive perspective, not many weaknesses, at least, that I can pinpoint. Is that pretty much how you see this team, Steve? Offensively, um, they've had trouble at right tackle because they've had injuries there. Chaz Wright got banged up. Will Fries got banged up. Andrew Nelson got banged up. So that really has been a domino on the offensive line 
where they finally are starting to get healthy there again. Uh, Mike Kosicki's been good. I think the wide receivers have been fine. McSorley makes a lot of really good decisions. And obviously, Barkley's the kind of running back that anybody in the country would want to have. Defensively is the part where they've really stepped up and improved. They've become a better defensive team because I think they're getting a little bit more pressure up front than people thought. I think having the experience of a guy like Cabinda in the middle makes a big difference for them. And that is, after being the youngest or the second youngest team in college football two years ago, they're now an all-senior secondary, for example. All-seniors back there. And they've got some length back there now, Mike, which has made a big difference. I think they saw in the Rose Bowl game against USC that their defensive backs were in great position. USC kept completing passes. Why? They didn't, you know, they didn't have the length. And guys like Amani Oyewarie, Christian Campbell, Tariq Castro-Fields, while one of the three happens to be a starter, all three play a lot, and they're all 6-1 or better with good cover skills and the length to go with it. So it's made a big difference in what we're seeing from Penn State this year. Speaking of McSorley, he's a kid I just love to watch play the position. Reminds me sort of a, you know, a backyard pickup kind of a guy, unorthodox at times in the way he throws and maybe moves. But you know what? He just makes plays, Steve. I mean, he has moxie. He's just one of those get-it-done-however-you-have-to kind of players, isn't he? He is because he understands that no play is ever good. I mean, you watch when he moves out of the pocket, and an inexperienced guy is going to tuck the ball down. He's going to run right away. Now, Michigan just saw one of those guys. I think Peyton Ramsey eventually is going to be a good quarterback. But usually at the first sign of trouble, ball down, and he's just going to run. He's going to put his head down and go. McSorley can obviously run the ball, and his ability to run the ball against Michigan at some point is going to be critical in this game Saturday night. But you'll notice that when he's moving around and is in trouble, he's got his head up, and he means he's still looking to make a pass play downfield. And they made several when something is broken down because he's kept his head up and he's looking to scan the field and make a play. He has a really good handle on that. And with the baseball playoffs going on right now, and obviously you've got a lot of Tiger fans out there, that would understand this. There's certain guys out there that you can just tell when they're pitching, trust their stuff. You just had one of the all-time greats there in, in Berlander, obviously, who's now at the Astros. But for, you know, for over a decade, Tiger fans watched the guy in Berlander, not a guy that goes and then an hour and 10 minutes later delivers the ball. And that's McSorley. McSorley trusts his stuff. He also knows, Mike, the parameters of his stuff. He rarely, if ever, tries to do something that's not within his own capability because that would lead to a mistake. And that's what I really respect about McSorley, the fact that he trusts his stuff, but he also knows what the parameters of his stuff happen to be. On the offense, there's Saquon Barkley. Always nice when things get a little bit rough to uh, turn around and hand off to this guy. He's been slowed down a bit in the last couple of games, probably more due to the offensive line injuries and some issues there. But really, how do you slow Saquon Barkley down? Well, obviously, people have been able to stack the box, but what's really made Barkley effective is Barkley has become an outstanding receiver uh, for Penn State. Uh, he is now six yards away from the single-season record for receiving yards by a running back at Penn State. We're only halfway through the season. And because he is, he's, you know, a lot of running backs, when they run plays, as receivers float out of the backfield, circle out of the backfield, and so forth, Barkley runs routes. That makes a big difference, plus using him in the kick-return game. But he's become a lot better as a complete back because now he blocks a lot better. On the game-winning touchdown pass from McSorley to uh, Juwan Johnson 
against Iowa in the final play of the game. Josie Jewell, who's a real linebacker, blitzed on the play. And you watch the tape, who picked up the blitz. I mean, square, one-on-one, it was it was Barkley that did that. So Barkley doesn't score the game when he touched down in that play, but he's a critical part of why Penn State scored the game when he touched down because he's the guy that picked up the blitz. Well, we all hear about McSorley and Barkley, uh, but to be good, uh, the, the offense has to have a supporting cast. Uh, give Michigan fans a primer on this offense and some of the other names and reasons it has been so good this year. Well, Mike Kosicki is a guy that, uh, as a tight end, is one of the better pass-catching tight ends in the country. He's got just great hands, and he's got the length to go with it. McSorley knows he can put it up over people and the guy that's going to bring the ball in. Uh, Jawan Johnson, same thing. Another guy with length at wide receiver who has become more and more effective as the season's gone along. Cy Blacknall's had some big games in the course of his career. He had 155 yards receiving in the Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin last December. Uh, DeAndre Tompkins is another guy that's really good as, as a guy who can play in the slot or outside, and he's also a guy that's become a very effective punt returner. Now, being a punt returner is not easy. That's why Jabril Peppers was so brilliant at it. Uh, you know, and for Tompkins, it's his third year in the role, and he says this is the year he's really felt comfortable doing it. And Dayson Hamilton is the all-time leading receiver in terms of the number of receptions in his career at Penn State. He has been a steady, solid-as-a-rock guy that has the ability to move chains uh, during the course of a game. So those are, quote, some of the supporting guys along the way that are critical parts of what Penn State does. Well, over on ESPN, BTN, the offensive guys for Penn State get all the highlights, as they do everywhere. But the defense, especially at uh, linebacker U, doesn't get the credit they deserve. And you talked about the secondary earlier, how much better they are. But this is a good, good Penn State defense, Steve. Well, I think there's a bottom line when it comes to stats on defense. You can talk about yards rushing, yards passing, total defense, and so forth. To me, it's how many points per game you give up. And that's in the end, that is what makes a big difference. They become much better at attacking the football. Uh, and that's made a big difference. They've been able to get a lot of takeaways in the first six. And Penn State's a plus 12 giveaway takeaway right now. And Penn State has 80 points off those takeaways. Penn State had 83 points off takeaways all last season. And we talked about the secondary, but Cabinda really is the heart and soul. He and Marcus Allen, I think, are the two heart and soul guys. And that's where you want to have your heart and soul guys because defense is a lot like baseball. You want to be really good up the catcher, second, short, center field. Well, you want to be good at your defensive tackles. And Penn State has two veterans there. And Parker Coffin and Curtis Coffin. You got a middle linebacker in Cabinda. You got safeties in Apke and, and Marcus Allen. They're all seniors now. And Allen and, and Cabinda, to me, are the two heart and soul guys of that defense. Cabinda uh, has really become so much better side to side. His lateral movement's been great. And Allen is always going to attack the football anyway. And he seems to anticipate really well. So that's really part of what's made the defense really good so far this year. I think some people wondered how much pressure they would get from the outside as, as opposed to last year. Because they lost a couple of veterans at Evan Schwanny, Garrett Sickle. It turns out they've been able to get a lot of pressure from a guy named Sharif Miller, who's made a big difference. Uh, statistically, you won't see a great stats at all from Kevin Givens, but if you're watching every game, like obviously you can see the difference he makes out there. And then in the certain specialty situations, if they're bringing a redshirt freshman named Shaka Tony off the bench, 
that he's probably been playing like maybe seven to 12 plays a game, but he's got that burst off the edge. He may not have great size, but he's got a burst that a lot of people have to be able to handle. Steve, when you think about where this program was just a few short years ago with the sanctions, the lack of scholarship players, especially up front on that offensive line, you just have to be amazed how fast they've rebounded. How do you explain that? Well, first of all, it all goes down to James Franklin and his staff. I mean, they've been tireless going everywhere they can to find talent. They've done a great job, Mike, of evaluating talent. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, in the end, that's, you really have to have that. The top coaches, Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, you know, Nick Saban, you know, uh, Dabo Sweeney, you have to be really great at, you know, getting many more hits in recruiting than you, than you do defeats. And so they've been able to do that. And I also think you have to get a little bit of luck along the way, too. I've likened uh, Saquon Barkley to James Franklin as to what Mike Reed meant to Joe Paterno in the early years of his program, you know, where you get that guy that's a superstar. Now, Reed was a defensive tackle, won the Outland Trophy, and Penn State built an entire defense around him uh, back in the late 60s. And that defense went, you know, in Penn State went 22-0 and in 68 and 69. I mean, they, they played a great Missouri team in the Orange Bowl, and they turned they forced seven turnovers in the game. And Reeves is one of the really great defensive players of all time. Well, Joe got lucky getting a guy like that early out of Altoona. Well, same thing with James Franklin. He's able to get a guy like Saquon Barkley that's electric and a cut above so many other people you could get. And, you know, Barkley didn't really come onto a lot of radar until later in his high school career. He actually verbally committed to Rutgers initially. Uh, so you've got to be able to get a little bit of luck like that along the way. And I think that's, you know, you've been able to build around. They made good evaluations as to how they wanted to play McSorley, fit how they want to play. Hiring Joe Moorhead uh, a year and a half ago to be the offensive coordinator and his style of offense was perfect as to what they wanted to do based on the personnel. Elevating Brent Pride, the defensive coordinator, when Bob Shoup left for Tennessee was another great move. So you've got to be able to hit it right. And it all comes down to the hard work. Uh, James Franklin's not going to be outworked. Doesn't mean that you know that uh, doesn't mean every, there aren't other people on par with him in terms of how hard they work. I'm just saying you've got a group of guys that won't be outworked in the country, and James Franklin's one of those guys in that group that will not be outworked. With us here on our visitor segment this week as we get ready for a huge game Saturday night in Happy Valley is Penn State radio play-by-play voice Steve Jones. Steve, I have to think this is a week Penn State fans have been waiting for for a long time. The last time we saw this Penn State team uh, was here in the big house. We remember the outcome of that game since that time. Penn State is 15-1, and one, I think is uh, what it is. But it's going to be prime time. And as you said, for what, for what it's worth, number two in the country right now, 12.5 point favorites. But for college football fans, what an atmosphere that is going to be Saturday night. Well, I mean, this is why the Big Ten has become, you know, so entertaining for everybody across the country. The fact that in one division, you've got Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, you know, Michigan State's doing really well, too. I mean, all in the same division, that means they're all going to play each other along the way. And when Penn, I mean, Penn State had never played Michigan until they got into the Big Ten. And now it's turned into a great, uh, just a great game and a great series between the two. Uh, I really think that when I look at the Michigan defense, I'm so impressed by the speed, the power. I mean, Rashawn Gary, Winovich, and Khalid Hudson, I think McCray's really good. 
Devin Bush. <laughs> you got got to keep your eye on Penn the entire time as to where he is. Lavert Hill looks like he's starting to come on as a corner. Uh, Higdon was impressive, I thought, the way he ran the ball the other day against Indiana. And Quinn Nordine is a great weapon. I mean, Michigan probably feels if they get the ball to the 30 to the 35, they're going to get points. So, look, it's a, it's a great matchup. Uh, it deserves to be in prime time. Uh, you know, the whiteouts are always fun here. The atmosphere is always fun here. But you know what? I mean, Penn State's gone to Michigan, and they played a night game there a couple of years ago, and it was an incredible atmosphere at Michigan. But this is what makes the conference a lot of fun. This conference is not a one-trip pony. It is not the Ohio State-Michigan game as, okay, we've got that one. Well, now you've got Ohio State, Michigan. You've got Michigan, Penn State. You got Penn State, Ohio State. You got, you know, you know, you got Michigan State mixed in there as well. That's what makes this conference now so good. Is that the depth of really good teams in this conference is special. And then there's the next part of it. When I talked earlier about, you know, controlling your own destiny, part of the reason you can control your own destiny is you've got the schedule that if you're able to negotiate it, if you can do that, there's nobody going to deny you. I mean, because the quality of the team that you're facing is so good in this conference. Well, this Saturday night, Michigan comes in, as everyone knows, with a 5-1 and one record. I, I know Michigan fans are, are going to be nervous because that 5-1 and one record certainly doesn't tell it all in what you've seen of Michigan, other than this great defense, which I, I, I know we do have, that leads you to believe they can come into Happy Valley in that atmosphere and beat Penn State. Well... You know, the running game, first of all, I mean, Higdon ran for 200 yards in a road game on Saturday, and it made a big difference as to what they were doing. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, eventually down the road is going to be a pretty good, you know, deep threat for Michigan. Now, for John O'Corn, he's coming home. He grew up 35 miles from here in Huntington. I mean, I know what the, you know, the roster says. He's from Fort Lauderdale and so forth, and yeah. That's adorable. Uh, yeah, they, he went down to St. Thomas Aquinas, but he actually was the starting quarterback at Huntington Area High School here before he went down there and, of course, then went to Houston. So, I mean, he's coming back home. There's got to be a lot of people. He, I mean, he's probably got he's probably getting swamped with tickets for people that want to go to this game. And, you know, and I watched John play, and there's certain moments where John looks really good, and there's certain moments, obviously, where we see John struggle. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I'm not saying anything that's out of turn here because – I, mean, I watched the Purdue game. He's a big reason why Michigan wanted Purdue. I, mean, I thought he came off the bench when Wilton State got hurt, and I thought John played played very, very well. So we're just going to see how, see how it plays out. I mean, you know, the field position is going to be important in a game like this. Giveaway takeaway is going to be an important uh, element in a game like this. And that Michigan defense, when you have 59% three and outs, that keeps you in every single game. Every game, when you have 59% three and outs, and that's what the Michigan defense has this year. Well, when you look at keys for this Saturday night's game, Steve, Penn State's going to score points. I think that's a given. But can Michigan's offense create anything consistent, which we have not seen them really do yet to stay in the game? This might be oversimplifying it. I think Michigan's defense will cause Penn State problems. But the key to this game is going to be, can Penn State's defense control Michigan's offense? If they do that, it really does have the potential to be a big night for Penn State. Well, I think that, you know, the defense is on both sides. I mean, when you look at this, Michigan's defense can keep them in the game. It's going to be up to Penn State's defense to make sure they keep them in the game. I think another big element of this, Mike, is playing with the lead. Uh, I think that if Michigan gets to the lead, they've got the kind of defense that can keep them in the lead like they did against Indiana last Saturday. 
I think that the other part is if Penn State gets the lead, I think they've got the kind of defense that can help keep them in front. When Penn State played Iowa at Kinnick Stadium, yeah, Penn State did rally from behind to win that game, but Penn State spent the vast majority of that game actually in front. Uh, you know, they didn't give up the lead until late in the game, and then all of a sudden they were put in the position where they had to go 12 plays, 80 yards. I've always felt that no matter what sport I'm doing, playing with the lead is so important because mentally, when you're playing from behind, that uphill grind becomes a problem. So I think, you know, the team that can get to the lead in this game now puts itself in a really good position because now mentally you're forcing the other team to play uphill. Well, final question for you, Steve. You have been in the booth and around this program for a lot of years. How good do you think this Penn State team is? I think they're very good. Uh, I think they're very good. Uh, We're about to find out, uh, especially in the next three weeks, what that really means uh, because when you've got a stretch of Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State on three consecutive weekends, you find out exactly uh, how good you are. Through the first six weeks of the season, I can tell you that they're really good. Through the first six weeks. Now we'll see how things happen, starting with this one, how the next six weeks go. Uh, It's such a long season, and nobody knows how anything plays out. I mean, we can talk about predictability, but did anybody think Iowa State would beat Oklahoma? Did anybody think Syracuse would beat Clemson? Anybody think Cal would blow out Washington Washington State? Did anybody think Arizona State was going to beat Washington? That's what, that's one of the reasons we love sports so much, because when you sit down and you watch a TV show, the vast majority of TV shows or movies are scripted, and you kind of get a feel of where it's going. Uh, in sports, we sit there and we enjoy it because of the unpredictability of it. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if there's going to be an overturned call in the Jets-Patriots game. You don't know if Justin Turner is going to hit a walk-off homer in the bottom of the ninth inning. 29 years of the day after Kirk Gibson did it. So, I mean, you just, you know, that's what, what makes this the unpredictability of it. And that's what makes a matchup like Saturday night exciting because we can talk all we want and we can think we know what's going to happen, but then we have before our eyes as to exactly what happens. That's why I enjoy my job so much because I feel like I'm given a blank canvas before every single game and a brush and I have to paint with words the picture and then we see at the end how it turns out very well said my guest today on our visitors segment has been the longtime radio voice of penn state football steve jones steve thanks for the time and enjoy what should be an incredible environment on saturday night in happy valley mike it's always a pleasure i appreciate your time quick hits is next as we wrap it up on this week's visitors edition here on the michigan man on wolverine sports radio a member of the v sporto network and in partnership with sb nation's maze and brew Hits today on the injury front, nothing new to report. Other than Wilton, we are in good shape at the midway point of the season and for Saturday night in Happy Valley. Here are a few game day notes. We lead the series 13 to 7. The first meeting was on October 16, 1993, in Happy Valley. 
a 21-13 win for Michigan. Last year on September 24th in Ann Arbor, we took it to the Nittany Lions 49-10. They have gone 15-1 since that game. James Franklin is in his fourth year as head man with a record of 25-15. He is 49-30 overall as a head coach. Last year, Penn State was 11-3, 8-1 in the Big Ten. They lost a Rose Bowl thriller to USC 52-49. They finished number seven in the final polls. They returned nine starters on offense and seven on defense. They have had some injury issues on the offensive line, but with the bye week, they should be back at full strength. Kickoff is scheduled for just after 7.30 p.m. on Saturday and will be broadcast on ABC. The weatherman says it should be dry, with moderate temps in the 60s at the start of the game, dropping into the 50s, so perfect football weather. So here we go. The experts have weighed in all week, including all of our Michigan beat writers, and you can't find one of them that picks us to win. To summarize what most of them are saying, Michigan's defense will keep us in the game, but it can only hold up so long. The offense has to play error-free, we have to run the ball effectively, and John O'Korn must have a good performance. It doesn't have to be great. No one is asking him to win the game by himself. Just take what the defense gives you and play smart. A lot of ifs there. If the offense doesn't show up, we could be in for a long night. I'm staying positive, though. I think sooner or later this young offense is going to turn the corner. There is just too much talent for it not to happen. Let's hope that turn begins on Saturday night in Happy Valley. Whatever happens on Saturday, we will be back home next week for homecoming and a visit from the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. It will be a noon game, which I think we are all happy about. On Tuesday's game day show, I'll be joined by beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live. On Thursday's Visitors Edition, Steve Politi from the Newark Star-Ledger will get us up to speed on this struggling Rutgers team. That will do it for this week. Let's hope this is the week it all comes together for our young offense and we walk into Happy Valley and spring the upset. It can happen. As Tim Drevno says, we just have to keep on pumping. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine weekend. Until next week, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!